yet for all the details on everything I've talked about. How many are ready to get into the Word this morning? I am ready to get in the Word this morning. We are continuing in our series on Romans. We have gone through how many chapters so far? Four. We've gone through four. We are on the fifth one today. Oh, let me get where I need to get. Last week we dove into Romans chapter 4, and how many were encouraged by the faith of Abraham? Because it's the faith that we share, right? That's what the Bible says. It's the faith that we share. God didn't only speak to him, but he speaks to us. Having faith in the life, death, and resurrection of God, the Son who is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Before we start this message, let's go before the Lord in prayer for it. Lord, I thank you for the message this morning. Lord, I'm excited to preach this message. Lord, I pray that it would be your words and not my words and your thoughts and not my thoughts. Lord, that I am just would be guided by your holy presence. Lord, I pray everybody who hears the word this morning would respond. Lord, as we, we, we go through the service and we'll take communion together later on, Lord, I pray that during this message, Lord, they would just respond to your calling. Lord, we thank you that you would be, that you would draw them near to you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. We left last week beginning with just a little taste of chapter five. It says this in verses one and two. Go to that first slide. It says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith unto this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. If chaos reigns around you, if it, if it seems that there's nothing but trouble in your life, if it seems that turmoil just defines where you are right now, I have some really good news for you. You can have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I like what this commentary says. It says, remember that the Bible doesn't say we have peace with the devil. We don't have peace with the world. We don't have peace with the flesh or peace with sin. Life is still a battle for the Christian. Amen? Come on. It's a battle for the Christian, but it's no longer a battle against God. It is now fighting for God. I love that. And then we see that we can rejoice because of the hope of the glory of God. You know, this last week is, uh, it's been kind of difficult. It's been, it's, it's been a difficult week. It, it seems that this week has been overwhelmed by people who are facing sickness and death and, and, and drought and hurt and, and maybe too much rain, maybe not enough rain, maybe. But I have to tell you, as I've been studying this, I have been uplifted by these scriptures. I've been encouraged by the Word of God. And to be honest with you, I think about Don Googie. I think about those who... Don, he, he passed from eternity into the hope of the glory of God. He passed right into eternity there. And, and, and I tell you, you know, there's times where, you know, I, I'm, I get, I'm excited about preaching at his funeral this Tuesday. I'm excited about sharing about the hope of the glory that we have in Christ. Amen. I'm excited about that. I'm going to use this very scripture. I'm just a preview. I'm telling you. I'm going to use this very scripture. And, and, and honestly, one day I'm going to be rejoicing with Don. Come on. We're going to be rejoicing with him when we encounter the master. 
That's exciting. That should be exciting to you. It's exciting for me. We should rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Some would say, well, Pastor David, that's later on. I mean, <laughs> Pastor David, that's la- what about now? What about now? I'm going through it now, Pastor David. I need some help now. Hmm. How do I deal? How do you deal with the pain and the turmoil of now? The Bible says this in verse 3. Go to the next slide. Not only that, but listen to this, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Paul is speaking a radical truth here to some people who are severely persecuted. He's speaking a radical truth. He says, don't sulk around in our sufferings. Come on. I know it's easy to do. Don't sulk in our sufferings. Where's Steve? Steve, you're supposed to be sitting over here. (laughs) We go through something in our life and... Oh boy. How many, how many, Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? Oh, Pooh. Right? That's what we're, we're going through something in our life. We're going through chaos. We're going through hurt. We're going through trouble. We're going through trial. And we just, and, and there's, I mean, some people wear it on their sleeve. You know what I'm saying? There's some people who you can just, they just have a burden on their life. And you can, you can tell it's a visible burden that they carry it with them and you just, oh boy. Hi, Carol. Oh, Pooh. The Bible doesn't call, call us to sulk in our sorrows. To sulk in our suffering. We're not supposed to mope around. How many know people that mope around? Come on. Hey, hey, I mope around. Come on, it's not just, it's not just, well, those people out there. I've moped around. Oh. (laughs) Doreen said, yeah, I know you have. (laughs) Come on, it's true. I think, how many could say at times we mope around? It's true of everybody. It's true of everyone, right, Carol? Right, Kay? Hallelujah. Kay's responding. Sometimes we mope around in our suffering. We, we mope around in our sorrows. The Bible, we, we don't get to mope around. If you're a Christian, we don't, we shouldn't, we, we don't try to get everybody to feel sorry for us. Come on. How many ever been there? You, you're afraid to ask how somebody's doing. Right? You're afraid to ask because you just know the floodgates are going to open. Hey, how you doing? Oh. Let me share. And you just go, okay, thank you, Lord, for patience. Please share. We sulk around. We, we, we get everybody to feel sorry for us. The Bible says, no, no, no. We're supposed to rejoice in our sufferings. You say, Pastor David, how can you rejoice in your sufferings? Because until you go through some stuff, it's only after you go through some stuff you can fully appreciate the goodness and the power of God's love. Come on, until you go through some stuff, I'm telling you. 
until you go through some suffering in your life. Because you can't, I mean, what's incredible here is this, this biblical truth. Some, some people would say Christians aren't supposed to suffer. Christians shouldn't suffer. I'm sorry, my Bible says different. What it does say is that we will suffer, that we're actually called to suffer, but that we should rejoice in our sufferings because our suffering eventually leads to hope. Come on. People respond to suffering in two different ways. They either move towards God or they move away from God. Right? What's in you already is magnified. What's incredible here is that this biblical truth, this is interesting, this biblical truth has been around for 2,000 years almost here, and it's just now being recognized as a truth in the secular world. I want to read you this article. I normally never do this, but I want to read you this article from Psychology Today. It says this, you've probably experienced negative effects in your life, right? Or at least you've been aware of negative effects in people close to you. For example, a soldier who has returned from combat and suffers from PTSD. A woman who has recovered from an episode of cancer but can't sleep at night because of the constant anxiety that it's going to return. A person who has been through the pain of a painful divorce and feels intense and hatred, bitterness towards her ex-spouse. Or, or a person who feels depressed after becoming disabled through an accident. There's people who just they go through some stuff. The negative effects of that. However, in recent years, psychologists have become aware of what's known as post-traumatic growth. This term was originally coined by the psychologists Tedeschi and Calhoun. They interviewed many people who had suffered traumatic life events, such as the loss of a loved one, serious illness, such as cancer, house fires, combat, they become refugees. And they found this that for many of these people, dealing with this trauma in their life was a powerful spur for personal development. It wasn't just a question of learning to cope with or adjust to negative situations. They actually gained significant benefits from them. In Tedeschi and Calhoun's terms, they experienced positive life changes. They gained new inner strength. They discovered skills and abilities they never knew they possessed. They became more confident and appreciative of life, particularly of the small things that they used to take for granted. They became more compassionate for the sufferings of others and more comfortable with intimacy. One of the most common changes was that they developed a more philosophical or spiritual attitude in life. In the psychologist's words, their suffering led them to a deeper awareness. It's interesting that what was written by Paul almost 2,000 years ago is just now being recognized in the secular world today. Sometimes it takes people a little while to catch on. Right? What we know as biblical truth sometimes takes the world a little while to catch on. And and then Paul goes on here. He says this in verse 6. For while we were still weak, listen to this, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, say while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. 
For if, while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. While we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. At the right time. How many know and realize that Christ came at the very right time? There was a, there was a fictional book. I, I, I love the book and it's just, it's pure fiction, but it, it specialized and speculated about what the world would be like if Christ had not come 2,000 years ago, but instead came today. What would it be like? Who, who would follow him? Who would betray him? And it was an interesting way to portray Christ in modern terms and in, in modern times, but, but in reality, Christ lived and died at the exact right time. He did. It says, I like what this commentary says. It may have seemed late to some, but Jesus' work was done at the perfect time in God's plan. When the fullness of the time had come, Galatians says God sent forth his son. The world was prepared spiritually, economically, linguistically, politically, philosophically, and geographically for the coming of Jesus and the spread of the gospel. He came at the right time for the weak and the ungodly. Amen? How many are glad to know that He came not just for, not just for the perfect ones? Come on. I know there's a few here. Oh. Steve Mann, you know what I'm talking about? Well, I can pick on you a lot today. Pastor Mitch is here. I'm glad to see him here. Amen. I get to pick on Steve because you're here, so that's kind of how it goes. <laughs> see, this is called tag teaming. We're gonna. <laughs> in about a minute, I'm gonna go and slap his hand, and he's gonna come up here and preach. No, that's just no. <laughs> you use my notes. You know, we we talked a couple weeks over the last few weeks. We talked about what it means to be justified. Amen. What does it mean to be justified? Justified, never sinned. Justified, never sinned. I've made pure and righteous, right? But we are only justified because of the other big word we talked about. He became the propitiation. Amen? He stood in our place. He, he took our deserved punishment. He placed himself on the cross. How many are so glad to know that, that we didn't have to pay the price for sin? You know, one online, I, I, I like online uh, Bible studies and commentaries. One that I love is called the Blue Letter Bible. It's very popular. You've probably seen it. And it really it pulls a lot of great quotes, including this one from uh, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon. He, he, was, he was talking about Christ dying for the ungodly. And I was literally, as I was reading this, tears were welling up in my eyes and, and joy began to fill my soul. It really did. Because this is what it said. Listen to these words. You will say, oh, I am the worst in the world. Christ died for the worst in the world. Oh, but I have no power to be better. Christ died for those who were without strength. Oh, but my case condemns itself. Christ died for those who are legally condemned. I, but my case is hopeless. Christ died for the hopeless. He is the hope of the hopeless. He is the Savior of those who are not partly lost, but wholly lost. If Christ died for the ungodly, 
This fact leaves the ungodly with no excuse if they do not come to Him and believe in Him for salvation. Had it been otherwise, they might have pleaded, we are not fit to come. But you are ungodly and Christ died for the ungodly, so why wouldn't He die for you? Man, it got me excited. I was sitting there and I'm studying this and, and Jack is painting stuff and I'm, <laughs> and I'm just sitting there just tears starting to well up and, and I'm looking at my wife. You know how guys are. You don't want to see them crying. And, oh, or sweating my eyes. It's really hot. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> if you are ungodly, you say I'm ungodly. Christ came to, he died for the ungodly. Why not for you? While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Man, I love that. Verse 11. Let's go. Verse 11. Here we go. More than that. That was pretty good, right? But more than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. It's important for us to both recognize and understand that reconciliation with God doesn't just happen later. It happens now. It doesn't just happen later. It doesn't just happen when we cross into eternity. It doesn't just happen, you know, right when we, when we pass from life to death. It happens now. This means that once we have accepted the gift of Christ's salvation, you are no longer under the wrath of God. Come on. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that God won't chasten us from time to time. It doesn't mean that God won't, won't lead us from time to time, right? He's a good father. That's what he does. But we have an understanding that we're no longer under His wrath. Now we have a hope in glory. Paul then begins to show the acts and the consequences of two men. I like this. He, he, he compares the acts of Adam, the first man, that are shown in Genesis 3, to the act of Christ. Go to the next slide. It says this, Therefore, Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. I know that's a lot. We're going to unpack it here together. Is that okay? Humanity was brought into sin through Adam. The Bible speaks to this clearly. We had this conversation at the Bible study on a Wednesday night, right? About where did sin come from? Was it Eve or was it Adam, right? Kind of along those. Just, the Bible says here, clearly, it came through Adam. So clearly, me and Gary were right. Hallelujah. No, I'm just kidding. I don't want to start a thing now. Come on. Humanity was brought into sin through Adam. Because of that sin, death came. I got ice that I can't get down. Oh, okay. Are you ready, Doug? Because. Say because. Of that sin, death came and was spread to all men. The wording here for all men, it's interesting. The Greek word is anthropoi. Say anthropoi. It means both men and women. Anthropoi. 
So when we, when in the Bible, when we read it, it was all men, Carol's singing, well, great, it was just the men, not the women. No, no, it was anthropo, it was everybody. Everybody was affected by the sin. Because of Adam's sin, humanity was now stained with sin, right? The reason that we experience death, by the way, is because of sin. The reason we experience death is because of sin. We're all subject to it. I don't know anybody that's not subject to it. It flowed from Adam through humanity to us. Now we're going to talk in a minute about the, some who have, who have escaped death, but I want to read to you this. This commentary says, humans are mortal. They are subject to death before they commit any sin themselves. Since mortality is the result of sin, it shows that we are made sinners by Adam's sin, not our own personal sin. Right? But when you were a baby, before you could actually sin, you were still born into sin. Babies, and it's something people don't always want to talk about it, babies are born into sin. We are born in this world into sin. Now you say, well, what happens to babies if they die? And we've talked about that before, um, and we can get into it at, at, at a later time, but let's just suffice it to say that God's grace is good. Amen? Let's suffice it to say that, that David spoke about his child, seeing his child again in heaven. And, and we know that he's a good father. Amen? Amen. So I don't want to just skip past that, but let's let's move forward a little bit. We may not like the fact, you know, there's some people who say, so you're saying I'm a sinner because Adam sinned? Well, that's not cool. I'm a sinner because of another person's work, another person's sin. I'm the sinner because I want to stand on my own two feet. I want to I don't want to be made a sinner because of of another man. It says this, nevertheless, it is fair to be made righteous by the work of another man, only if we are made sinners by the work of another man. If we aren't made sinners by Adam, then it isn't fair for us to be made righteous by Jesus. Amen? Paul then comes back to those who are still focused on the law. Because there's always a lot of people who are focused on the law. He says, you aren't sinners because you broke the law. You aren't sinners because you broke the law. You're sinners because death reigned before the law came through Moses. Death reigned even if they hadn't sinned like Adam in rejecting the protection and instruction of God. They would still be subject to death, right? They were still under sin. We see also that Adam, listen to this, Adam was a type of the one who is to come. There's a word that we use in theology called typology. He was a type of. He was a type of the one who is to come. And so here's what happens. Jesus, how many ever heard Jesus referred to as the second Adam? Right? Adam is, of course, the first Adam. And through the first Adam, we were made sinners. Paul shows us that it's through the second Adam, who is Jesus Christ, that we are made righteous. Amen? How many are glad to know that there wasn't just the first Adam, but there was also the second Adam? That we were made righteous through him. And it says this in verse 15. Go to the next slide. But the free gift is not like the trespass. Meaning, what Jesus gave is not like what Adam did. The free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more had the grace of God and the free gift by the grace 
of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. The result of that one man's sin is that death reigned and we were all under sin. But the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Now, I like the wording that Paul uses here. He says this, he says, it's a free gift. How many know it is a free gift? How many also know it's not a cheap gift? It's a costly gift. It's offered to you freely, but it's a priceless gift. It's a matchless gift. It's not like the trespass. It's not like what Adam did. Under Adam, we were all affected. His trespass brought death to everybody, right? In fact, uh, in the Bible, it only speaks of two people who avoided death. Enoch and Elijah. Enoch was one who was walking with God, and he was and he was not, for God took him. I love that. I want that to be my relationship with God. I want I just, just to be so close and not worried about anything. I'm just so focused on my relationship with God that, man, we have such great communicate. God says, man, I want you up here with me. He was and he was not, for God took him. Elijah was the other one. He was taken up in a chariot. Remember that? But everybody else will or has experienced death. There was only one who experienced death, listen to this, but found that death could not hold him. Come on. There is one who experienced death, but the grave could not contain him. There is one who experienced death, but that man is God the Son, who is Jesus the Christ, and he is resurrected. Death couldn't hold him. The grave couldn't contain him. Come on, that's good stuff. Boy, y'all are responding really well today. I like this. I like that. Verse 18 says this. Go to the next slide. Therefore, as one trespass led to, led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Now, that is some really good stuff, right? That is some really good stuff. But I, I, I want to I, I caution you this morning. Because as great as these verses are, and they are tremendous verses, it's important that as we read Scripture, we read Scripture in what's called context. Amen? We can't just pick a verse and run to the nearest conclusion that fits into our modern philosophy. We can't just grab a verse. We have to correctly interpret the Word of God. So I want to, I want to teach you two words today that are theological words. Are great. Uh, the first word is exegesis. Say with me, exegesis. Some people say exegesis. Exegesis. Say exegesis. The second word is eisegesis. There's exegesis and eisegesis. How many know what they are? There's a few. Bobby knows. I know. 
Exegesis, what does that mean? It literally means to draw out. It means to correctly interpret Scripture by understanding the context and support of all Scripture. Correct exegesis. The other is eisegesis. If exegesis is good interpretation, what would eisegesis be? Bad interpretation. It it literally means to draw in. It means this, to incorrectly interpret Scripture by drawing in our own ideas and our own conclusions. That's it. Here's what we do. It's our job as Christians to rightly divide the Word of God. Amen? It's our job as Christians. We are to make sure that we interpret it correctly. In my teaching and my preaching, even when using other sources, which I use quite a bit, I use commentaries and, and books and websites and all that stuff, I have to ensure that they're correctly interpreting the Word of God. That's part of my job. It comes down to this, and I want you to listen to this carefully. Is your view of the world and and everything that's happening in it, all the issues, is your view lined up with the Bible, or are you trying to make the Bible line up with your view? It's, It's interesting that the last few verses of Romans chapter 5, it's, it's, man, these are great verses. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation, so one act of righteousness leads to justification. Man, that's good stuff. Right? There was a, um, a man, he was, uh, this was about 15 years ago, I want to say. Maybe a little more. Ah, it was more. It was probably in the 1990s. Um, he had a large church. His name was uh, Carlton Pearson. He had a large church. He, he loved the Lord. Man, the people in the church loved the Lord. He, he was referred to as a bishop, and, and he was under uh, Dr. Oral Roberts. And, and just, uh, man, he was preaching the Word of God. And phenomenally. He was, a, I think he was a Dove Award and Grammy Award winning singer. I mean, he was just, he was on track. He was doing some really amazing things. He started watching a, a, a TV show one day about the, the war in Rwanda and saw as people were just being massacred there. And he said that as he was watching it, he felt like the Lord spoke to him and started to impress upon him this idea of all people are saved regardless of whether they accept Christ or not. It's the idea known as universalism. He went to his church on that next Sunday and he preached that message. And people went nuts. In fact, Or Roberts came to him and said, Son, I love you, and, and, and I've struggled with my own son who, who committed suicide, and I've struggled with a lot of different things, but, but I'm telling you, you need to backtrack. We believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ in context, not just in what fits us during that time. The next Sunday, he went back and preached the same sermon. Not exactly, but the same message. Within six months, the church was gone. People moved elsewhere. They they split. They went different places. His influence in in the world and the community went away. 
And he said he still believes in universalism, and so now he, he teaches to congregations who are more inclusive of LGBT and, and, and all of those different things. And, and so that's where now he can still be a minister. But I'm telling you, if we only pull out what we want to see, it will lead to dangerous doctrine and demonic tradition. I'm telling you that in this world, in this modern world, where we are being pushed in a direction, the church is being pushed in a direction that's opposite of the Word of God, if we do not hold true to correct interpretation of Scripture, we will be in danger. The the movement is defined by what's called hyper-grace. The hyper-grace movement. Let me just tell you, it is demonic nonsense. It twists Scripture and and it makes it so that Scripture can fit in with my sinful lifestyle. Through Adam's offense, all men are condemned. Through Adam's offense, all men experience death. But keep in mind that God's free gift is, is not like Adam's trespass. The gift of Christ can lead to righteousness. It can lead all men towards Him, but it does not mean that all men will choose to accept it. We do have free will. We do have a choice. And it's one of the sad sides when we consider salvation. It truly is. It's a truly... I was telling a few people about... I was actually telling Johnny and Jacob, I think, I was telling them about how excited I am about preaching for, for the funeral of Don. How excited I am because I get to preach about him entering in the glory of God. Man, that's exciting. But it also made me sad. And it should make us sad to think of all those who reject the free gift of Christ. And they enter not into the hope of glory, but they enter into eternal darkness. Away from God. That should, that should sadden us. We should have compassion there. It should drive us to share the Word of God with those around us. Paul goes on, verse 20. says this, Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more, so that as sin reigned in death, grace might also reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I have some good gospel news for you this morning. No matter how lost you may feel, no matter how far you may have fallen, no matter how deep your pit, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. How many are glad to know that no matter how far I've fallen, where sin abounds, grace abounds even more. The last four chapters of Romans, Paul had shown them that following the law was of... What's the point? I mean, that's the first four. It doesn't lead towards righteousness. Following the law does not lead towards righteousness. So what's the point of the law? Here we see that the law was instilled when now the law came in to increase the trespass, to make us more aware of our sin, to make us more aware of our need for Christ. 
That was the purpose of the law, of just how unrighteous we are, just how messed up we are, just how lost we are and how in need we are of a Savior. We can only become righteous through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? God's free gift is yours to receive or reject. I pray all those that are hearing my voice today would receive the gift and reject the sin in their life. Jenny, if you could come up this morning. If you could all stand with me this morning as well. Go to that last slide. Nope, one more. There you go. Oh, that's good. Verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Man, that's a powerful thing. As sin reigned in death, that's when it reigned. Grace reigns through righteousness. This morning, we're going to take communion. We're going to take communion together. And so if, if, uh, Carol, you're going to get the communion elements. At this church, what we do is we have what's called open communion. Meaning if, if you're saved, if you call yourself a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, you can take part in communion with us. I know there's visitors here and that's okay. But take part with us part of the family of God. Amen? Amen. And so what we'll do is we'll come on one side and come on the other, and then I want us to all come together here in the middle. And we're going to take it together. We're going to take communion together, and we're going to love on each other, and we're going to be family together. Amen? Amen. God bless you as you take just a few minutes, and this side go over here, and this side go over here, and, and we'll see you up here in just a few minutes, okay? God bless you guys.
spend a few minutes just worshiping Him. Thank you, Lord. Yes, still sinners Christ died for us amen while we were still ungodly he he died for us Luke 22 verse 14 through 20 says this when the hour came Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us take it together. Lord, I thank you for your body that was given for us. Lord, I thank you that it was given while we were still sinners. While we were still ungodly. We didn't deserve it. We can't earn it in any way. We thank you for the free gift of salvation. We choose to accept and choose to follow you. Verse 20 says this, In the same way after the supper he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. Let us take it together. I'm so thankful for the blood of Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. Amen. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. Lord, we thank you this morning that we get to take part in communion, that we get to take part in what you went through. We thank you that your body was given to us. We thank you for the new covenant and your blood. Lord, I thank you for Romans chapter 5. Lord, I thank you for showing us that while we were still sinners, you died for us. Through the sin of Adam, we became sinners. And and Lord, I thank you that through your obedience, we became righteous. Lord, I pray over all those who are here this morning. Lord, I pray that you would bless them. I pray that you would keep them. Lord, I pray that you would cause yourself to shine down upon them. And Lord, that you would give them rest. 
We thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.